convinced. Well, I'm going to preach this morning from some obscure random passage found in Jeremiah. So if you've got your Bible this morning, let's go to Jeremiah. And once you get to Jeremiah, which is in the Old Testament, I want you to go to chapter 29. Chapter 29, Jeremiah 29. And then once you're at chapter 29, I want you to go down to verse 11. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. How, how many have ever found comfort from these words I'm about to read? How many have ever heard God in these words before? Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It's, verse, it's a verse that's often quoted, it's known a lot. It's God saying, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to prosper you. His plan is to prosper you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God says, I know. I'm convinced about my plan. I'm convinced about what it entails and it's a plan to prosper you, to give you a, a hope and a future. In other words, I'm convinced in what I'm selling you. How many like good service? There's nothing like going to a restaurant or a place and getting good service, walking away and go, man, they, they really believed in what they were selling. Well, one thing I like to do when I go to a restaurant, uh, when it comes to ordering, I like to ask the waiter or the waitress what they recommend. Because how many know they know the best meal on the menu? Uh, they know what's best there. And I like to hear their recommendations. Now, if they hesitate, it, it leaves me often with a lot of questions. Do they really believe that is the best meal or are they just telling me it's the best meal? But if they quickly out of their mouth, they go, oh, you've got to get the steak. How many know I'm taking the steak? You know, right there. I, I go with that recommendation. It's like when anybody's selling you anything, if they hesitate, if there's an uncertainty, you, you go, oh, man, I don't know if I want it now. If, if they're not convinced, you're not going to be convinced. But, uh, but how many know if... If you're convinced about what you're selling, the product sells itself. Uh, you don't need a marketing strategy. You don't need some flyers. You don't need a website. If you're convinced, people will see that you're convinced and automatically want in on what you're selling. But so often we're relying on other things to sell what we, are we should already be convinced about. How many know when it comes to reading the Bible, context is important? So, so many of us have read this passage, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know. But we haven't got the context in which Jeremiah is speaking this. And so this morning, we're gonna go in and around these verses and see the context because I believe it's important for what God wants to say through these words. You know, what God's doing here is He's using the prophet Jeremiah to speak to Israel. He'd been prophesying for some years that they were gonna be taken into exile, into Babylon. They didn't listen at that time. And in fact, many, for many years, other prophets were prophesying peace. But Jeremiah had this message that wasn't a, a nice message. You know, it wasn't a message that anybody would have wanted to hear, but it was God's message because the Israelites had walked away from God's ways. They turned their nose at God. And, and Jeremiah prophesied, you're gonna go into exile. You're gonna go into exile. Now, now they're gone into exile by Jeremiah 29. And Jeremiah speaks to them. And he says, I know the plans. God's saying, I know the plans. Don't worry, because I've got a plan even in the midst of this place where you find yourself in captivity. And so we're gonna read from verse four. Let's go to verse four and pick it up from there. Verse four, it says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all the captives, he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. So this is what he says to all those in captivity. 
He says, build homes and plan to stay. That's crazy. He's just said these people he's speaking to, they're in captivity. And he says to them, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that they may have grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Whoa. This is what the Lord of heaven's army, the God of Israel says, do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they're telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then, everyone say, but then. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. Everybody say, yay. I I will come and do all the good things I have promised, and I'll bring you home again, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen if you look for me wholeheartedly. You'll find me, how many, no, many people don't find God because they, they haven't looked for Him wholeheartedly. But if you look for God wholeheartedly, you will find Him. He says, I'll be found by you. I will end your captivity. I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. The title of my message this morning is flourish wherever you are. Flourish wherever you are. Just quickly turn to your neighbor and say, flourish wherever you are. Flourish wherever you are. I really believe God wants us to flourish even in our prison. He wants us to flourish in our captivity. Now, recently, uh, we went to lawyers to sign a few documents and we had to take along some identification. My wife, Kathy, she grabbed her passport and we arrived at the lawyers and uh, we passed over uh, our documents and she passed over her passport. And while she was passing it over, she noticed that her middle name had been spelt wrong uh, on her passport. And uh, we're looking to get the titles sorted out on some of the things and get a trust set up. And, and, and the lawyer said, well, we can't have that. We can't have your middle name misspelt. You know, what you need to do is you need to go get your birth certificate. Maybe your birth certificate's got the right thing and bring that in so that it's, it's done properly and you may have to apply for a new passport. I'm going, man, what a hassle there. Anyway, we went home. Uh, we got her birth certificate only to find out that uh, the middle name in her passport Uh, matched the middle name on her birth certificate. And and so for 41 years of her life, she didn't know how to spell her own name. Uh, Her middle name's Eleanor, and she thought it had an A in there, E-L-E-A-N-O-A, but it has no A. It's just E L. E N O A. It's a Psalm 1 name if you don't get it. <laughs> she was convinced her name was E L E A N O A for 41 years. It was a shock to find on her birth certificate, her name wasn't what she thought it was. What happens in life when you discover you aren't who you think you are? You know, in fact, I, I, I know another friend, 
He goes to our South congregation. He thought his birthday was on the 3rd of March. And for 23 years, he celebrated his birthday on the 3rd of March. Only to get his birth certificate and to find out he was born on the 2nd of March. He was already a day older than he thought. How how many know we can can be convinced of one thing and find out something different? It wasn't as you thought. You can tell yourself something. You can convince yourself. You can be told by others, this is your name. But it's not who you really are. Jeremiah was going to great lengths to bring hope into a, a situation that looked dire. But here he gives a word to to the Israelites and he said, come on, come on, don't lose hope. I I know it looks bad, but you need to go back to God because he's got a plan and and his plan hasn't changed. You need to go back to the originator. You You need to go back to the one who spoke the earth into being because you can't have full confidence in life about where you are, but also where I wanna take you unless you go back to the origins, back to the start. See, until you know who you are and whose you are, you'll never fully flourish flourish in the environment God has you. See, I really believe as Christians, we can flourish in spite of our environments. Here he tells the Israelites who are in captivity, who are in the midst of a place where they're restricted, he says to them, what does he say? Build houses, plant gardens, get married, have children, increase and multiply. Don't diminish, increase, multiply. In other words, don't let your predicament determine your flourishing. Don't let the situations around you determine what I wanna do through you. God's saying, flourish now. Don't wait for that promise to be fulfilled. Don't wait for that dream to be realized. Flourish wherever you are. Flourish now. Flourish now as a student. Don't wait till you graduate. Don't wait until you get a job. Flourish in your environment now. Flourish as a mum now. Yeah, you may have young ankle biters. Yeah, you may suffer from cabin fever. But find God in that space and flourish now. Yeah, you may not have the job that you ultimately want. That's your ultimate destiny. destiny. But don't wait until that job to flourish. Build houses. Plant gardens, flourish now in Jesus' name. Flourish in your rented accommodation. Don't wait until you own a house before you look after the house. Flourish where you are now. Flourish wherever you are. Come on, somebody say to your neighbour, flourish now. See, as a church, we're not waiting for a permanent home. I know God's promised it. He's declared it. He said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. A building is on its way, but we're not waiting for the building to flourish. We're flourishing now in Jesus' Name because whether two or three are gathered, there He is in the midst. We need to flourish now. God's saying, even in your captivity, I want you to flourish. I want you to multiply. See, there'll come a day where your predicament will change because He has plans. He's not gonna leave you in your captivity. It will change. I will bring you back. And maybe some years, I, I will bring it about but in the meantime, flourish. He has plans. He's gonna do what he said he's gonna do. He brought the Israelites out of exile. 70 years, he did it because he knew the plans he had. Now waiting for the plan is one of the greatest hindrances of the church. Because we, we think waiting is, 
is like we're idle. There's a passivity in a lot of people's waiting. But I believe God wants to speak a word into people's hearts this morning and say, hey, wherever you are, even in your waiting, you can flourish. Even in your waiting, you can experience God's goodness. Because as the psalmist said in Psalm 92, it says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. It doesn't say those who are in their promise flourish. It says the righteous. Come on, are there any righteous people in church this morning? Oh, three people know what it is to be forgiven. Know what it is to be made right with God. Come on, are there any righteous people in church this morning? We may be made righteous, not by our own doing, but by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And it says the righteous, the righteous, turn to your name and say, that includes me. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Now, notice that it's not just those who attend. We've got many attenders in the church worldwide, but they don't plant themselves. It says those who are planted, put down their roots. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish shall flourish in the courts of their God. They shall bear fruit in old age. Come on, how many of you wanna get old? Nobody wants to get old. But uh, if you're gonna be old, at least be flourishing. You know, it was said of Abraham, he was old and he was blessed. Man, if I'm gonna be old, I wanna be old and blessed. I wanna be old and flourishing. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh. That's not fresh off the boat. That, that, might be there. They shall be fresh and they shall be flourishing. Come on, fresh and flourishing. They shall have new life. Uh, flourish, to flourish means to break forth, to spread out. It actually means in the origin of the word, it means to fly. Some of us right now, we're grounded by our circumstances. We're grounded by what's happening around us. But God wants you to fly. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to spring up. I'm convinced as Christians that we're called to flourish. I'm convinced that the kingdom of God works anywhere. It works anywhere. Not just here on a Sunday. It works at university on a Monday. It works at home on a Tuesday. It works on the sports field on a Saturday. I'm convinced the kingdom of God works anywhere. See, see, I work with a lot of pastors. We've got a number of churches that we're planning around this nation and around the world, you know, in big cities and provincial cities and small towns and, and big world cities like London and Berlin. And, and one of the biggest excuses you hear from pastors that justify their lack of flourishing is, well, it's different here. It's different here. Uh, you don't understand. It's different here. How many know there's a difference between London and Autucky? Some of you don't even know where Autucky is. It's the place of my birth. That's where Bruce is preaching this Sunday morning, right now. Bless Autucky in Jesus' name. Yeah, but there's a difference between London and Autucky. There's a difference between Manila and Thames. There's a difference between Zurich and Calcutta. One, the national sport is banking. <laughs> the others, the fanatical about cricket. Yeah, Rome and Tonga, different. They both love food, but they're different. Yeah, even Dunedin and Wellington, one's full of politicians, one's full of students, different cities, it's different here. Here's the thing though, I'm convinced the kingdom works anywhere. See, religion works in a set environment at a set time, but the kingdom of God translates time and translates circumstances. It works in the church, in these four walls, but it works in the marketplace. It works in Thames and it works in Berlin. It works in a small group 
and in a crowd. So many pastors, oh, well, I need to have this music and these lights and this. No, the kingdom of God works anywhere. It works in the lawyer's office and it works on the sports field. It works with and without a band. See, here's the deal. On a Sunday, I'm really careful as a pastor. I don't want to sell you something on Sunday that doesn't work on Monday. Uh, Kingdom, I'm convinced, works anywhere. You know, so many people dismiss the Word of God and dismiss message. Oh, it's different for me. You don't understand. Yeah, God does. And kingdom works anywhere. Jesus taught and preached on the kingdom more than any other subject. In fact, what's the good news? What's the gospel according to Jesus? Uh, What's the gospel according to Jesus? The gospel, the good news according to Jesus is that the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, That's what he preached. In other words, the kingdom of God is accessible to everyone. Whoever believes, it's accessible. There's no procedure, there's no rituals that you have to go through. The kingdom of God is at hand. He he taught us that this kingdom operates on a different set of values to what we know. Uh, That's why he often said, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. In other words, change your mind, change your thinking. You have to change your mind if you're to access this kingdom. He he taught us that that the kingdom works off a different paradigm. He said, if you wanna be great, this kingdom goes, if you wanna be great, you gotta learn to serve. He he says, if you wanna find your life, you don't protect your life. You, you lose your life. He, he said, in this kingdom, if you wanna live, you gotta die. In, in this kingdom, it's totally different to how we think, how the world operates. He says, if you wanna increase, you gotta give. Uh, this kingdom, repent. The kingdom is at hand. And here's the thing about the kingdom. The kingdom works anywhere and with anyone. See, what is mentioned and outworked in Jeremiah, I believe, can be applied on many levels. See, many people today, you're in captivity. You're free on the outside, but you're bound on the inside. You're in a prison. Some of you on the outside, you've got some restrictions. You've got some debt. You've got some issues at home. And you feel like you're locked in. Some of you, you're free on the outside, but you're bound on the inside because you're still holding on to past events. You're still holding on to unforgiveness. Some of us, we're free on the outside, but we're a slave to fear and insecurity on the inside. See, what we need to understand about true freedom is it starts on the inside. The kingdom of God is never outside in. It's never outside in, it's inside out. In fact, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees because they lived outside in. In fact, Jesus, Matthew 23, I'll show you. Verse 25, it says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy. How many know when it comes to a cup and a dish, you put food on the inside, you put drink on the inside? You know, no use cleaning the outside. You, you gotta clean the inside. You gotta, you gotta scrub the inside. Here he says, careful you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be clean too. What's he saying? It's not outside in, it's, it's come on, it's, it's inside out. It's inside out. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, free on the outside, 
but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Uh, Jesus is rebuking them because they're thinking outside in rather than inside out. See, many people today, if they want to live off confidence, they work on their outward appearance. You know, how many likes on Instagram? Oh, I'm confident today. It's because you're busting out of your clothes. That's not confidence, that's compensation. And you're working on the outside for your personal security rather than dealing with the inside and working it that way. Uh, Man, that was a little bit close to home. See, we need a godly confidence, not a Kardashian confidence. And here's the thing, unless you're convinced on the inside, unless you're convinced privately, you'll never be confident publicly. You've got to be convinced on the inside. And unless you're working on your inner issues, the outward is just a mask. That won't last. You've got to think inside out, not outside in. See, your issues are a result of your heart. That's what Solomon said in Proverbs. He said, above all else. So in other words, above everything else. Uh, This is not to be taken in the the mixture of something else. No, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Where, Where does it flow from? It flows from your heart. Where does the kingdom first land? It lands in your heart. In your heart. See, you when you understand that, you can flourish anywhere. Because Your flourishing isn't determined by your situations and your circumstances. Your flourishing is determined by what lives on the inside of you. Joseph, he understood this. You read Joseph in the Bible, he flourished wherever he went. He got sold as a slave by his brothers. In Potiphar's house, he flourished You don't believe me? Genesis 39 verse four, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. What was he? He was a slave, but he found favor in that place. In verse five, it says, from the time he put him in charge of his household or of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both house, both in the house and in the field. Why was that blessing on Potiphar? Because of Joseph. He flourished in his captivity. How, how many know Potiphar was in charge? He was the man in charge, but Joseph was in charge. But Joseph didn't have the position or the title. But, but Joseph understood that influence didn't come from position and title. It came through serving. And as a result of serving, he flourished. And, and Potiphar said, man, you look after it all. See, even when he was falsely accused and put in prison, God showed him favor. Verse 21, it says, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. How many know that's dangerous? Putting a prisoner in charge of the other prisoners? Yeah, you wouldn't do that. That's some radical favor right there. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention. Bad warden. Should lose his job right there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Somebody say whatever he did. God wants to give you success in whatever you do. So sometimes the place you find yourself is the place you don't wanna be. But here's the deal, if God led you there, uh, you need to be convinced that that place must be fertile ground for God's work to thrive. Uh, You've got to be convinced. See, unless you're 
be convinced, unless you're convinced, you won't be able to maintain a good attitude. So unless you're convinced that you can flourish in that environment, you'll complain about that environment. You'll whinge about that environment. Yeah, you know the plan that's out there and go, oh, I'm holding on, but where go, where go, I hate my life. Yeah, I know you promised it, but oh God, now. No, God says flourish where you are. Build house now. Plant a garden now. Don't wait for that. Flourish now. Don't wait for your promise. Come flourish where you are. I can work now. See, God will change my predicament one day. I may be in prison now, but if I live inside out, it's only a matter of time before my outside world aligns to what I'm convinced about in my inside. See, if God does something on the outside, but He hasn't done it on the inside, He's setting you up for failure. That's why you see many people reach heights, but because they don't have the character to sustain it, things fall apart. And so God always has to work on the inside before He can do it on the outside. He needs to let you know that, hey, if I'm with you, you can flourish. It doesn't matter where you are, what job you're in. It doesn't matter who's around you, you can succeed. See, he's like, if I can talk you out of the promise, it was probably never in you to begin with. Now, I haven't done uh, much pre-marriage counseling. Um, you know, I went to it myself, but we've got a whole group of wonderful people who facilitate pre-marriage counsel for uh, couples looking to get married. By the way, if you're thinking you might get married to the one you're going out with, you know, don't wait to get engaged to go through that counseling. You know, go beforehand. Because engagement, I believe, is just the preparation for a wedding. It's not a decision of whether you're still going to marry. You've made that decision. The ring's on the finger. Uh, we're going back to the love connection series right now. But, but, you know, we've got a whole lot of people now. Now, I've heard that one of the methodologies that, that these counselors use is right at the start, they are trying to see if they can separate that couple. Separate, uh, you know, separate them. You know, ask the hard questions. They, they put them through surveys, they do, and, and they're trying to split them because how many know if they can do it now, when you don't have kids, you don't have a mortgage, gravity hasn't set in. Um, <laughs> see, if they can do it now, if they're wavering now, if there's an uncertainty and a hesitancy now, uh, that hesitancy, that wavering is not going to go away later on. Uh, you've got to be convinced on, on the inside. Yeah, you've got to get it on the inside. When it comes to the prophetic words that are spoken over your life, you've got to, you've got to believe it on the inside. God said it. It will happen. He knows the plans He has for me. Plans to prosper me, to give me a hope and to give me a future. You know, I, I like Abraham because when God spoke to him, in spite of his circumstance, in spite of his frailty, he believed. Romans chapter four, it says, Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. I mean, no, he was in captivity. He had limitations because he was old. He was 100 years of age. He figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. But it says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and, he, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced. Somebody say he was fully convinced. We need to be fully convinced. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever He promised. If He promised it, it will come to pass. Uh, what's it gonna take to fully convince you? Uh, what are you gonna make God do? I just need a sign. I need a sign. No, you need to commit. 
You know, how many know bacon costs a lot more to the pig than an egg does to a chicken? Bacon costs the pig its whole life. An egg, that's easy, just bob it out. We need some more bacon Christians. We've got too many egg Christians. But God's just a, a thing on the side. The kingdom only works from a place of full surrender. Now, if you want God to bring home the bacon, no, <laughs> I won't go there. Bad joke, bad joke, yeah. How, how, how you win your friends is how you keep your friends. Uh, if you had to convince them, you're gonna have to keep on convincing them. It's like when you take a kid on a long walk. You take them on a walk. How many know it's a bad move to pick them up right at the start? Because once you pick them up, there's no putting them down without tears and a tantrum. And so the idea, if you're going on a long walk, you, you leave it right to the end. No, come on, you can do it, you can do it. Some of us right now, we wanna be picked up. I, I need a sign. You'll keep needing signs. In fact, Jesus said, you evil and perverse generation, I've given all the signs you need. You've already got them. And if I, I, I have to do this sign, I'm, I'm gonna have to do another. What will it take to convince you that I'm good on what I promised? See, he, he knows if it's not in you, it's not gonna last. That's why when people come to the church, we're not trying to force this Jesus stuff down your throat because unless it's in you, unless it comes as revelation to you, it's not gonna last. You know, if it's determined by the environment, the environment, the, the, the light, that's soon gonna wear off. But if you have God living on the inside of you, it, it will last, it will go the distance. What's God wanting to do? He's wanting to get it in you. See, when it's in you, you can flourish in any situation, in any circumstance, in any place. Yeah, you're convinced. Then when God moves, it wasn't your luck. It wasn't just luck like the stars aligned, the ducks were in a row. It wasn't luck, it wasn't your ability, it wasn't your skill. It definitely wasn't your good looks. He, he wants you to be convinced it's God. It's God working here. See, Joseph, he eventually came to the place of promise. His place of promise was something that he declared to his brothers and got persecuted for. That's the reason they sold him into slavery because he declared his promise. He declared the dream. He came to the place of promise. You know, he said, you know, Pharaoh now, he says, you shall be in charge of my palace. So here's Potiphar, finds favor in Potiphar's house, finds favor in the prison. Now he finds favor with Pharaoh. You can flourish wherever you are. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people and submit, to, uh, all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain. You gotta have the gold chain. And put a gold chain around his neck. My, my, my encouragement today is, hey, you may be in a prison and in captivity, but put your roots down. Don't live temporary. Believe that God can bless you where you are. Don't have a lotto mentality. Determine that you're gonna flourish now. Believe, be convinced that you can make a difference now. Oh, once I get this sorted, I'll serve God. You know, once I'm done buying a house, once I've graduated, once I get married, once, 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 once. 
and there's just one thing on top of the other and you're, you're waiting, oh, once, you know, that promise will come about. No, flourish now, make a difference now, serve now. Now, I want you to take notice. I'm about to finish. If we could have the band up. Take notice of, of verse seven. Verse seven comes before verse 11, if you haven't worked it out. And before I finish, I wanna show you this because I believe this is the key to how we can make a difference in our world. Come on, how many wanna see this city changed? That's God's heart, that's God's desire. That the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He wants to see this city, this nation, nations of the world come to Jesus. His desire is that none perish. None perish. That person who annoys you, God loves. That person you hate, God loves. His desire is that none perish. None perish. In Jeremiah 29 verse 7 He says this, he says, and work, this is while they're in exile in Babylon. He says, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Work for the city. Pray for the prosperity of the city because its welfare will determine your welfare. Now the version says, pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. See, many people in church got this wrong. Many people over the years, they've been waiting for the second coming. Well, you know, we'll just hold on till Jesus comes again. We'll just make the best of what we have. We'll survive, build bunkers. Then Jesus will return. And they've got a promise, but it's all about evacuation. I believe that evacuation mindset is not biblical when it comes to eschatology in times. I believe God has called the church, commissioned His people to occupy, to occupy spaces that are currently held by the enemy, to shine light into darkness. It's not about evacuation, it's about occupation. Work for the peace and the prosperity of the city. Now notice it's not prosperity for selfish gain. It's not just a bless me club. Oh God, come and meet my need. Meet my need so so I can be happy. Meet my need. No, it's work for the prosperity and peace of the city. To flourish in captivity is to understand, hey, Joseph, your prosperity is linked to Potiphar's prosperity. And if you serve Potiphar, well, you'll flourish in that place. It's to understand, hey, Joseph, your welfare is linked to the prison warden's welfare. They think, you think they're your enemy. No, you're there to bring change to them. And if they prosper, you'll get favour. You'll get them put in charge of a whole prison. But your welfare is linked to their welfare. Uh, what's this? This is all about prosperity with purpose. It's about being blessed to be a blessing. See, I'm convinced right now God wants to bless this city. I'm convinced about it. I need some other people who give an amen to the heads. Because this is about God's purpose. This is about what God's in. He wants to bless this city. He wants to shine light into every dark place. He wants to release captives. Those who are free on the outside, but are bound on the inside. He wants the good news of the Kingdom of God to come and infiltrate our world. God wants to bless this city. 
and I'm convinced He wants to bless this city. That's why I'm convinced He wants to bless me. But I can't be convinced unless I align my life with this purpose. With this promise. Come on, read. I know the plans I have for you in context. God has a plan for you in the context of winning a city. But you take that plan in isolation, you've missed the purposes of God. And you'll struggle, you'll grope in the air trying to lay hold of something, but it'll be distant from you. You'll get frustrated, you'll get disillusioned. Align your heart this morning. See, God's plan is never independent of what God wants to do in a city of an, in a nation. God's plan for you is never independent of the people He's called you to. We're part of this body called the church. Yeah, God's got a plan for you individually, but He's got a plan for us as a group of people. And you can only know your individual plan when you reconcile it to the bigger plan. Many people want the individual, but they don't want the bigger. But you only know the individual if you reconcile it to the bigger. God wants to bless the city. He wants to bless you. He wants you to flourish wherever you are because kingdom works anywhere. God is convinced. I know the plans. What about you? See, I'm convinced He's here right now. With two or three are gathered in His name, there He is. I'm convinced that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's accessible. It's available to each and every one of us. I'm convinced that Christ in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. You know, I'm convinced He has a plan. I'm convinced that greater is He that is within me. Come on, I'm preaching right now. Greater is He that is within me than anything that's in the world. Come on, we need to live convinced. See, when you're convinced, it's second nature, the convincing of others. I found changed lives change lives. The reason sometimes we're not making a difference on other people is because we're hesitant, we're wavering. But if we're convinced, convince people, convince people, save people, save people, forgiven people, forgive people. That's how it works. See, I'm more convinced than I ever have been today. See, I, th I think the church over the years has wasted a whole lot of time. Because we're trying to convince people who should already be convinced. Come on, you've trusted Jesus with your eternity. Why can't you trust Him with your here and now? Why can't you trust God to bless you right here, right now? Oh, give me a sign. Here's a sign. You're not dead. You've got air in your lungs. You're breathing. If you got air in your lungs, God's got a purpose for your life. God's got a future. He's got something He wants you to do on this planet. Come on, stop looking for a sign. Flourish where you are right now. As Mark Twain said, it's easier to fool people than to convince people they've been fooled. It's easier to fool people than to convince people they're being fooled because there's this blindness and there's this deception that gets in. Don't be fooled to be into living a lesser life than God's promised. Uh, don't be fooled into thinking that the outside can satisfy an inner longing. Don't be fooled by what the world sells. They're not even convinced of it. We have the greatest message on the face of the earth. Man, it's not hard to sell. It's like, why wouldn't you want in on this? Everyone's looking for Jesus. They're just looking in the wrong places. They're looking in a career. They're looking in money. They're looking in material possessions. They're looking in earthly relationships. That's not gonna satisfy it's only Jesus who can satisfy the longing of your heart. Come on, if you want to know the kingdom of God, which is a superior kingdom living in you, it's inside out. It's not outside in. It's inside out. Don't, don't wash the outside of the cup. Clean the inside of the cup. Come to God and the outside will take care of itself. Flourish where you are right now 
Now, here's the deal. When you flourish in your captivity, when the promise comes, there's a contentment on the inside. So many people want the promise, but they aren't content with the promiser. Man, many people want the promised land, but they'll go into the promised land without God. We have a value as a church that we say, hey, if God's not in it, we don't wanna go. See, I'd rather live in a wilderness with God than in a promised land without God. I'd rather have His presence. See, until it's in here, you're gonna waver. You need to get it on the inside. In Jesus' name. How about standing to your feet? Right, we are. I'm done. I'm preached. Come on, somebody turn to your neighbor and say, I am convinced that Jesus is Lord. I am convinced. Come on, have a let thrown a hand or two in the air. Holy Spirit, we thank you in this place. And you're the one who makes Jesus real to hearts. I pray right now, right here, right now. Nobody moving unless you have to. Please don't leave. I'm only gonna be five minutes. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray you'd make Jesus real to every heart, to every life. I pray, God, that you'll help people understand that they can flourish now. That they, if they have Christ within, it doesn't matter what's going on around them. Lord, I thank You, God, that You wanna bless them. Lord, we thank You, God, Your goodness and Your mercy are towards us this morning. And Lord, right now, with hands lifted high, Lord, we receive what only You can deposit into our lives. Lord, where there's a lack on the inside, Lord, come and fill that lack. Lord, where there's disappointment. Lord, even where there may be sin. Lord, they're separating us from You. Lord, we confess it today. We get right with You. Lord, that we may know, Lord, You fully in our lives. 